Good evening. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Welcome to The Same Drugs with Megan Murphy. I'm Megan Murphy. And I'm Laura McNally. Welcome back. Okay, so what season is it there where you are? Uh, it's going to be winter soon. Ew. It's so summery in Vancouver. It's the best. You can probably notice my tan. Yeah. Oh, my God. Since I can't really do anything or go anywhere, I just, like, work out on my little balcony. That's cool. Oh, yeah. you're still in Working lockdown, on my huh? wrinkles. No. Oh, I okay. got a pedicure yesterday. And I had to wear a mask. And I'm getting my haircut and my roots done tomorrow. Yeah. And... I'm gonna go have drinks on a patio tomorrow. <laughs> I thought you were, I thought you were like leveling up with like beauty treatments. You're gonna be like getting a face. Botox. I mean it works. <laughs> I'm getting everything done, guys. That's gonna um, be the unveiling. Yeah, so just this week, um, like kind of like yesterday, it seems like a bunch of the restaurants and bars are starting to open up. Um, there's still like lots of restrictions obviously. Um, and like, so I went to get a pedicure yesterday. Most like nail places and salons aren't opening till June 1st, but there's a few that are open now and there can only be like three people in there at a time. But I still haven't gotten my nails done. So there's still a bit of a mess. How did you pedicure and not your nails? They don't do like, they don't do, um, UV gel. Uh, stuff yeah, at yeah, the yeah. salon that I went to. They That's just do like shit. regular stuff. So yeah, you need. Um, I need all my layers of chemicals to keep my nails from breaking. I fucking love that stuff. Um, How's so, everyone, yeah. everyone else out of lockdown, or is it just like a few provinces? No, I, I mean it seems to be different. It's so it, it's so it's basically similar across Canada, across the provinces, but then there's also slight differences. Like I think some kids are starting to go back to school here, but not in Ontario, which actually makes sense because BC um, did much better in terms of flattening the curve. So we have a lot, we had a lot less cases and deaths than they did in Ontario and Quebec too, actually, but um, essentially the same. And it seems like stuff is opening up in the States also. Um, But I like, I'm so done with this. Like I've been feeling really kind of positively about, or I was for like the first month, month and a half. How long have we been doing this for? Like, so halfway through March, and then all of April, and now it's May 20. So I guess two months. So I think for at least the first month, maybe even the month and, month and a half, I was feeling pretty good about everything just because I was, like, taking the opportunity to use my time wisely, and I was getting all this work done on the house, and I was, like, gardening and um, kind of taking time for myself and getting a lot of writing and work done. Um, and... Then just in the past like couple of weeks, I've just been like, I like I can't I'm done with this. Like I can't do this anymore. And with summer coming and I was just like, no, like I wanna I like 
and because like because everything's been closed, this is going to sound a bit weird. But so everybody's outside, and it's really irritating. So all of the outside spaces are packed. Like it's like yeah. a scene. Like so, if all of the parks, all of the beaches are packed, way more full of people than normal. Like I just it's so unpleasant. Like, I'm like, I don't want to be at the beach with this many people at all. I would rather stay home. So I just like, I don't do any of that stuff either. And then you can't like, I really like, you can't go sit at a bar and hang out and you can't, you know, like I just miss being around people. And, um, and then this is a very bad story. My, oh, bad for me. Um, and other people too. But so my mom who works in the States, uh, a university, um, she had, and she comes out here every summer because they have a home here in BC and my dad is there full time and she goes back and forth because she's still working. And, um, so she got a plane ticket to fly out here on Monday And she double checked with everybody, like with the border agency, like she, she got her quarantine plan approved. Um, She had everything in check and, you know, they all said it was fine. So she flies here, she gets to Vancouver and the, the customs guys take her passport and say, no, sorry, you can't come here. This is non-essential travel. Like, I don't know why they let her get on the plane and fly from um, the States to here if they knew that she wouldn't be allowed to. You know, Canada and America have the same agreement in terms of travel to Canada from the U.S. Um, They're aware of the rules and just said, you know, this is non-essential travel, despite the fact that she has a spouse here and her family is here and she has a residence here and she's staying for a few months, you know, she's not just visiting, going back and forth. And she was, she has space to quarantine at their place. She has her own upstairs area. Um, And they wouldn't let her leave the airport until she booked a hotel room and bought a flight back to Indiana and wouldn't, you know, wouldn't tell her why she couldn't come. Like what, it wasn't a discussion. Like my poor mom is like in her sixties too. She's been all alone this whole time. My dad's alone. Like, So I had planned to go over there to the island to visit for most of June. I haven't seen my mom in months and months and months. And now who knows when she's going to be able to come. So I was pretty angry about that. And I was just really pissed off. Well, yeah. And what I read about it in the news today, and it's happening to a bunch of people, because what's happened is that the rules that, you know, Trudeau that the government has announced in terms of travel for people who have residences and family here and who, you know, live from Canada, um, you know, the Canadian border services have their own different special secret rules that they're not telling anyone that they're just arbitrarily applying to (laughs) travelers. So this has happened to a bunch of other people too, who've come from Canada with their spouses or to come live with their families or whatever and get turned away and sent back to like the UK or the States or wherever they're coming from. And like, I don't, I don't, sorry. Your mom's got a US passport primarily. She's a citizen of the States, not a family. Yeah, but she's a, she's a landed immigrant. I mean, I was born in Canada, so we lived here for, you know, they moved to Vancouver before my sister and I were, um, 
born and you know she she moved back to the states just because that's where she got a job and she's always come back and forth um but yeah so, uh, yeah it's gonna I, be crazy gonna happen with the quarantining like the different borders opening at different times and then who's essential and who's not essential uh it's going to be pretty crazy for a while i would not want to be like in your mom's position where you're thinking you can get back across the border like rejoin your family or whatever it might be that's across the border and one jurisdiction saying one thing, the other saying something else. You like, yeah, and you can't. Them. Nobody's giving you information. Like they don't say why it's like, non-essential travel because yeah. you know theoretically that should count as um, within the the guidelines or the rules or whatever. Um, it's going to be so cost prohibitive for a lot of people. Like if you can't afford, because this was kind of the case with me coming to New Zealand. I was like, I'm buying a ticket and I might not get in because I'm technically uh, not a New Zealand resident, but it was, I was a spouse, so I should be able to get in, but I didn't get full confirmation. And I was like, well, I'll just fly. And if I don't get in, it's like a waste of a thousand dollars. And like, luckily I can afford to do that, but most people can't afford to buy a ticket and wait. I know. Well, what, I mean, I just feel like if that had happened to me, would I have even been able to afford to, you know, just buy a flight and a, and a hotel room like that? Like that's psycho. And it's such a, I mean, it's such a waste of money too. It just seems like it almost seems like intentional. It's like, sure. Yeah. We'll let you buy this ticket and fly all the way to Vancouver and then send you right home and make you buy a whole other plane ticket. And it's just like so stressful. Like my mom was already really stressed about traveling to begin with and then to be treated like that um like you're a criminal the border. You're just to- yeah <laughs> like she's trying to get home like fuck like so i don't know what to do i've like emailed and texted my mp who's yet to get back to me and um i mean we have to wait and see if they i mean it's it, like i supposedly Trudeau is going to revisit the rules in 30 days, but it just seems like, well, you can't trust the rules then, you know, if if Canada customs is just going to have their own rules, regardless of what the government says. Well, yeah. yeah, And then what, she has to stay in Bloomington alone for another month. And my dad stays alone for another month. And then when she does come, she has to quarantine for two weeks. So I can't go see her for if she can even get here for like, two months and then she has to kind of go home again and like i feel like it's getting to the point where this is getting on this is like taking too long for people's well-being Mm -hmm. and now that i'm staying with a friend with a kid i have to say (laughs) i understand why people were freaking out about quarantine people with kids oh my god like so much time and energy and they're just go, go, go 24-7. Like, if you have to stay home all day and all night with your ki- number of kids for most people, like two or three kids. I think I it is quite stressful. Like, I think that it's, I mean, I know people who've been having, like, little breakdowns over it. Because, I mean, you can't work, so you can't get anything done because you've got your kids and you have to take care of and entertain your kids. You obviously can't get like a nanny or a babysitter or leave them with your parents as you normally would. Um, so you have no time to yourself at all. Um, 
And I, but yeah, I, I think so some of the kids are going back part time, but I think not all parents are planning on sending their kids back because they feel nervous and da da da. I'm pretty sure day camps are opening um, for the summer, so that'll be helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I just, uh, I don't know. I just am kind of. I mean, I don't just think they should just open up the borders and let tourism start up again. I think that would be a mess, um, yeah. and we'd have another big wave for sure um but you know stuff like where people are coming back home or technically your mom would be a resident right like she has residence there her yeah her name is on the the property it's her property she bought it (laughs) it's her residence like she's locked out of her her place of residence but not her country of citizenship so that's really tricky because so many people live like that like we don't live in the country where we're a citizen, we live in another country. Well, and it's also, I mean, the whole thing is just totally unfair for my poor mother. Cause like the whole reason, like she doesn't want to live in the States away from her whole family. She lives there cause that's where she get a, got a job and she's the breadwinner of the family. You know, my dad's not working. So she just rents in the States. Yeah. But, um, so she has to be there. She can't afford to retire yet. She's working to pay for this, this house, this property that she saved up every penny that she possibly could to put a down payment down on something. You know, we've never owned anything in our lives. We grew up in co-ops, right? And now she's stuck there and she can't even, like, this is the part of her life that she enjoys is to come home back to BC where it's beautiful as opposed to the stupid Midwest and be with her family and, like, see my sister's kids and well, yeah. sorry, but yeah. it's, it's not, it's no BC. BC is a very beautiful province and the Midwest, I'm not particularly enthralled by. Um, <laughs> Most places actually, in Canada, I'm not particularly enthralled by. Like BC yeah. is pretty special. That's actually a really good point though, that um, women are incredibly busy now with COVID, um, more so than men because like, the housekeeping and like looking after children and all that stuff, generally more of it falls to women. And there was a, um, like a, a pretty quick study someone had done on, this is just one example, how many papers are academics publishing male academics versus female academics and female academics have published way less since this has happened. And male academics have published something like 50% more since Corona started. So it kind of says who's taking the brunt of all this extra work and all the time and energy that needs to be put into resolving this. Right. Well, and I mean, it's possible also that if you think about the people who would still be working, so the people who have the privilege or the luxury of doing their work online would be white collar workers. Um, So that would probably be primarily men also. Um, Women are more likely to be working part-time and have more precarious employment um, and be doing things like, you know, housework and serving and things like that that you can't do under the lockdowns. Um, So it's more likely that, yeah, like they're, they're at home and doing all that stuff and then who knows what else? But hey, uh, what are we talking about this week, by the way? Well, 
Um, we were talking about masks, so that ties into ties in further to my complaints about this virus that is ruining my life. <laughs> it's ruining everyone's lives. It's yeah. ruining my life much less so than it's yeah. ruining other people's lives. I still am trying to like practice gratitude because you know I have an apartment and I'm able to do my work online and I don't have to deal with kids and I'm not trapped in a horrible marriage and yeah. <laughs> like. But yeah, like I just okay. So are you are the masks big in New Zealand? Are people wearing masks? Do you have to wear masks? You know what? I it's the the only thing I want to say about the mask thing is like I kind of don't really get the people really becoming wound up about masks because like when you live in Asia, you always use masks. Like you don't really even think about you. You just do. I don't know why. why. I can't. I, I don't remember. I just know that you do. I assume it's mostly because you're riding scooters everywhere, so it's like kind of pollutiony. Um, oh, it's the it, pollution thing. Okay, but it's not always because people in like Japan and South Korea do it, and they that's not scooters. They just do. I don't know. It's just what they do. I I can't really you. hate the masks. Okay, so the fabric masks are really hot and they don't do anything in terms of bacterial infection spread. Even those like surgical masks are hot. I wore a mask for the first time when I went to go get my pedicure because I'm not, I mean, I'm just not around very many people. Like I walk around outside, I see a couple people here and there. I do go to the grocery store every once in a while, but I'm just not a high risk person, both in terms of me getting infected and me infecting other people because I'm just not in contact with a lot of people. Are you an indoor cat of a human? It's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be. I'm like not normally like a homebody but I've been forced into this when I read that line in your article I was like oh I think that's me (laughs) I know you're not talking about me oh really are you like a home person I'm just not very useful like I'm not I'm not strong I'm I'm not physically very capable oh I'm Um, not I'm not very useful Like, if something breaks, I don't know how to fix it. Right. So that that's the sad. I'm like... I'm not very solutions-oriented. <laughs> but I like to go out a lot. Like, I'm social, and I usually have a lot going on. I usually have a lot of meetings. I usually have a lot of events. I usually have a lot of travel. I usually have a lot of social plans. So I'm not enjoying this, just being at home alone all the time. But yeah, so I wore a mask for the first time when I went to get a pedicure, which is like fine. Like it's like because if you're going to be in close proximity to somebody else, then I get it. Um, What I'm not into is this thing. So just this week, Trudeau announced that, you know, everyone should be wearing a mask if you're not able to social distance. And I think that what people are doing here is that they're wearing masks all the time, even when they are social distancing. And it's totally stupid. Like, first of all, these, I'm talking about these fabric masks. I'm not talking about the masks that doctors and nurses wear. We don't have access to those for the most part. Um, So we're wearing these fabric masks. They're super hot. It makes it hard to, like, I felt so uncomfortable. It's just like, I can't breathe properly. Like I'm not getting enough oxygen and they don't, (laughs) 
really do that much. Like, I honestly think that people are wearing them and people are starting to be judgy about other people wearing them and not wearing them. And it's like, none of you have actually looked into the science behind whether or not this is effective because it's not really that effective. Because if you're sick and you cough and sneeze, droplets are going to get out of your mask anyway. And moreover, they're going to get trapped in your masks and your mask. And I don't believe that people are disinfecting their masks. Like, of course they're not. Like, if you're walking around and you're social distancing, then wearing a mask is totally unnecessary. Technically, a lot of those masks are single use. So once you've touched it, it should actually go in the bin. But of course, we don't have enough to do that. So we're just reusing them all the time and like touching things, getting bacteria in our hands and touching the masks. So yes, and then you're touching your face more. Like you, the amount of times that I had to take off my mask over and over and over again to like drink water. Like, I was like, this is so stupid. This is having, like, the opposite effect because I'm not going around touching my face because I'm aware of not touching my face. Like, and people are acting like it's some, some like, fashion accessory. Um, think, uh, and using it as kind of like a virtue signally show-off-y thing. Oh, I feel like they're doing that with the I refuse to wear a mask thing as well. But, um... I mean, I'll wear it if I have to, like if in order to like in order to go get a haircut, I have to wear a mask. So fine. But I'm not wearing a mask when I'm like walking around the city. I'm not wearing a mask in a grocery store. Like I'm not getting that close to people and I'm not like coughing and sneezing on people anyway. Like I just somebody just said we're wearing dirty rags on our mouths. Like it's true. Like it's gross. Like I think it's gross. I think if you're sick, here's one thing I'll say. I love that they're actually cleaning planes and cleaning like gyms and all these places where there's a lot of contact between uh, customers touching things. Like I love that they're finally sterilizing some of these things that needed to be. Um, And I love that people who are uh, having a flu or cold symptoms now are going to actually wear a mask and I hope they keep doing that because I'm one of those people I get sick every time I'm around someone who has the cold or flu I'm like if you could wear a mask that actually you know you're not just coughing on everyone that might actually help the spread of your flu I don't think it's going to protect um just walking around day to day you're not going to be like oh I'm safe from from all viruses because I have a mask on. Like, that's definitely not the case. But I think that's what people think. I think that people just way too often take direction and don't ask questions and don't think about it. So they're like, oh, mask, you've got to wear a mask. Mask is going to protect me. Like, I see these posts on Instagram. I saw, like, Sarah Jones posted this post on on Instagram saying she's like a um, performer, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. But she has like she's she's an actress and um, she's so she's got a big following in any case. And she posts on Instagram and this I've seen this meme elsewhere, too. Like, oh, like if you hate wearing a mask, guess how much you're going to hate being on a ventilator. And I was like, no, stupid. Wearing a mask doesn't protect you from getting sick. It's to protect other people if you're sick. Whoa. So people don't have any idea what they're doing. And, you know, like, this is why, you know, people are in their cars wearing masks. People are walking around on the street wearing a mask. Like, it's like, this is not necessary. And you guys are all just kind of, I think it's sort of a false sense of comfort, too. So it also makes me worried that people are going to be 
less safe or maybe be yeah. less inclined to stay home if they have a cough. That's They're like, oh, I'll wear my mask. And that's not, that doesn't work. That won't, like, if you're sick and you're out, then you can still, like, droplets can still be getting through that fabric yeah. and you're touching totally. things and so on and so forth. They'll reduce the risk of infection. Like condoms, turns out they don't totally, they don't give you 100%. Um, they're pretty good though they're pretty good they reduce it significantly um but they don't give you complete protection but um the other thing is like the the same thing the false sense of security you see people wearing um plastic surgical gloves and then like touching a million things touching their wallet touching getting things out of their purse or their handbag like you've just put all the bacteria that was on your gloves on everything else. Like it would have been better if you just kept your hands bare and were just wary about what you touched instead of putting gloves on and like, Oh, I could touch everything. Now I've got gloves. It's fine. <laughs> and then right. touch my first touch, my phone, touch my kid. Like, okay. That's, that's the problem with this uh, protective equipment. And I guess that's the thing. Like if you're a healthcare worker, you're trained on how to use protective equipment in a way that's actually going to reduce transmission. But if you're a general member of the public, you're going to be like, oh, I've put a mask and a gloves on, like nothing can get me. I'm totally safe. Which no, no true. one knows how to use them properly. And that's fine. I mean, they yeah. how would general members of the public know how to use that stuff properly? But that's why I sort of am not into this, like, making people think that they should be wearing masks all the time because it's really not doing anything. And like, I, I read about it quite a bit this week because I wanted to figure out if there was actual research that showed if wearing these fabric masks, these made at home masks or the kind that you can buy online or whatever, um, were actually, um, working and like just not really like you know one i this is a quote from one of the articles that i read regardless of how well they work the success of cloth or surgical masks at protecting others depends on whether people wear the gear properly including keeping it in place and making sure it doesn't get too wet moisture such as from breathing can trap virus in a mask and make it a strong source of contamination when the wearer takes it off and that it just instantly gets wet. Like your mask instantly gets soggy because you're breathing into it. I know. Um, and it also, you know, it's just so it goes on to say the results from influenza and seasonal coronaviruses suggest that the surgical mask can help people with COVID-19 from spreading the virus. Um, but... Uh, you know, for the most part, like, while it's not necessarily all that harmful for people to wear these masks, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of benefits. So the sample size for seasonal coronavirus is small, and there's a large amount of non-mask related variation in how much virus people admitted, um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, it's just that, like, all these non-fitted masks, these homemade fabric masks are really not very effective um so the recommendations that everybody wear masks um you know people think it's because well it's better than nothing but um they really don't do very much and the real point is that you have to social distance like you really really what is really going to do it is staying away from other people um you know not being up close face wise to other people obviously not having big events not being in situations where it's loud so you're going to be shouting not being in situations where you're singing like things where you're going to be you know face to face and 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 spitting on other people essentially 
And I just like, I don't, I just, I don't, I mean, this is the, this is the least of our worries, but I don't like not being able to see other people's facial expressions. Like that's how we communicate. Oh, Like it's weird oh. and it's confusing. With a lot of Botox then? Well, you can still see their mouths and their, I mean, I guess sure that might look, I don't know. I don't, I mean, that's not the same thing. Like not being able to see the whole lower half of your face has like a major impact on communication. I mean, first of all, you can't hear people as well, but you just can't, you can't see tone. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you can't see if somebody's happy or sad or mad or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, um. But in any case, I hate them. And I hate that it's like people are trying to act like it's like trendy and like fashionable. And I hate that people are just wearing them around when they don't have to. Um, People just need to still be really careful and kind of stay away from one another as best they can. What do you think about the people that are freaking out saying like, oh, this is like the handmaid's tale, you know, where the woman is masked by the patriarchy. It's just the same. Do you prefer that narrative? No. <laughs> like, does that make you happy? <laughs> I don't think that makes any sense. What is the argument there that, you know, that the mask, like, I mean, because men and women are wearing the mask so it's not specific to women and it's not actually silencing us we can still talk you know it's not like a muzzle but it's symbolic of our um it's symbolic of the way we're effectively handing over our power and our voices to the the man I can see how you might feel that way if you live in America, but I think that's a bit ridiculous in Canada because we're not living in an authoritarian state in Canada and we're sort of less at risk of falling into the kind of circumstances where we would be living in an authoritarian or police state in Canada. Um, And we don't have currently a psychopathic president. What do you think of the <laughs> is a complete moron and is completely egotistical and narcissistic? What do you think of the memes that are going around that are like, um, you know, some people have never been through anything hard and their their kind of reactions to coronavirus show that. I mean, I think that's true. Like, I mean, I think I made that argument at, at first because I was like. You know, when at first we were like talking about shutting things down, social distancing for a couple of weeks or a few weeks, I was and people were complaining and freaking out. And I was like, you guys, this is temporary. Like, you can handle this. Like, this is not such a big deal. Um, and I didn't know how long it would go on for. I didn't know that, you know, once the uh, so-called lockdowns were lifted. Um, there would still be all these weird rules and regulations. You know, none of us really knew anything. We were all just kind of waiting to see what happened and yeah. trying to figure out how to flatten the curve to slow things down and keep people safe. Um, but I mean, now that it's sort of like extending on for a long time, It is concerning because, you know, people are social animals and we need one another. And it's it isn't healthy for people to not be around others and not to have physical contact. Um, And so at this point, I do feel like it's sort of like 
Yeah, open things up and be really careful and be really safe and make sure that if you're vulnerable, you protect yourself. Um, and other than that, I don't know that there's that more, much more that we can do because we do have to open things up. People have to go back to work. People have to have like their lives in a certain way. Um, and it sort of remains to be seen like how weird every, like I'm very curious to know what it's like at the bar, you know, like, it's yeah, like, yeah, is yeah. this even fun? I, I like, I mean, I'll probably, I probably will have fun, but. <laughs> I went uh, the other day to the bar and like, so there's like a maximum number of people. So like, it wasn't very, it was fine. Cause like I haven't gone out in ages, but like, it wasn't fun, fun. Um, but one thing I'm wondering is now it seems like the biggest thing is going to be the vaccine. They're going to force people to get a vaccine that's blowing up. Um, and I feel like, fuck, the anti-vax movement is really going to take off now. Like a lot of people that were kind of on the fence are probably going to jump on the anti-vax bandwagon because of the people, the companies and the countries and whoever is going to mandate this vaccine. Um, there's already companies in Australia talking about it that they're going to mandate uh, employees to get the vaccine. So people are freaking out. Um, yeah, I think that more people are getting on the anti-vax conspiracy theory bandwagon for sure. And I mean, I don't really like the idea of forcing anybody to do anything. Um, no, I and I don't even awesome. know, like the, va- the putting all our chips on this vaccine thing is not a great idea because um even when we do get one, we don't know if it's going to work or how well it will mm. work. Um, so I think we are sort of looking more at like the immunity antibodies thing. Um, somebody just said in the comments um, that I've heard a lot of people describe the masks as humiliating. I don't love masks, but I don't get that. I get that. Really? I don't want to walk around with a mask. I don't look stupid. <laughs> like you look weird in a mask like it's weird oh, like I mean, I'm I'm too like self-conscious of my appearance to feel comfortable with that they can't see you you don't have anything to be self-conscious of you're not visible it like no but having, you know you're running you see people you know and you're wearing some weird mask I mean I guess they would be too but <laughs> I never thought of that I don't like I it like I'm having like a bad face day. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm putting the mask on. Like no one's going to see my face now. Put on shades and a mask and you're practically invisible. I do wear sunglasses a lot, like most Mm -hmm. days. And if I can get away with it, i.e. if it's not dark, then I'll wear sunglasses. Um, But I just don't. And I, I drink too much water and like, I can't, you know, like it's just this constant as everyone has witnessed. I'm constantly like, not in like oral fixation. Well, like water or booze. Anything. I don't see you drinking. I am drinking. Oh, okay. Maybe I just, Maybe just I'm not like pounding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to pick up my phone. Cause I can't like keep up with comments on the, on the thing um okay okay so now i can like see what people are saying so is everybody in the comments wearing masks and how do you feel about that yeah do you feel oppressed do you feel like the patriarchy is i mean nobody likes well yeah i don't really see what it has to do with the patriarchy 
Maybe um, that's not good feminism. Okay, so Do the other thing that's been feminism? the other thing that's been going on due to coronavirus that's apparently been having a negative impact on people is that so because coronavirus happened, all of these people were pushed onto OnlyFans, which mm-hmm. is do you want to describe what OnlyFans is? I I thought it was basically like Pornhub, but for but for the actual women who are produced. Okay, so I don't actually know what. Well, it's is. I mean it's sort of it's it's not supposed to be actual porn. It's supposed okay. to be for more like sexy stuff than what you can put on Instagram. So it's for women who kind of want to put out porny stuff. Um, and need a platform to do it and you get subscribers so somebody will subscribe for like 10 bucks or something like that so you get um you get you can make money through it but I guess what's happened is that you know these sex workers I'm using air quotes because I do not use the term sex worker um are they're getting kicked off of the platform and they're also getting mad because now that there's all these influencers who can't make money in the ways that they're used to. So they can't, I mean, I don't, I guess influencers are having a really hard time under COVID because they can't post their regular like travel posts or like I'm at this event post or like I'm at this like fancy bar post. Um, So, I mean, what are you supposed to be posting right now (laughs) under COVID? Like your home fitness routine, I guess. Yeah, and everyone did that. Everyone's sick of seeing that shit. It's really interesting because this has kind of been one of my frustrations with the influencer world is that there's a lot of, I mean, to be an influencer, you really, you have nothing to say, really. The point of view is that you look like a magazine shoot. That's it. You have no opinions. You don't add value. Um Sorry, that's my take on it. I, I don't see influencers as people who are adding value, who have something to say, who have some kind of purpose. And to be honest, when they do start having things to say, they usually say bullshit anyway. So it's like, wow, I would have preferred if you said nothing because they go from like being a model, like a sexy model, to then being like, oh, I'm an anti-vaxxer now. Like, okay. Maybe just go back to when you were just a model. I'm going to post some statement about staying home and wearing masks. It's like, thanks, Instagram model. (laughs) (laughs) It's really unnecessary for you to provide me with this kind of information. (laughs) You're the last person I want this kind of information from. I feel like I wrote it for Feminist Current. Like there was a there was a study in Australia asking kids about careers and it was like the majority of kids growing up today want to be social media influencers. Yes. That's yeah, what they it's aspire true. to. It's like 80% or something. Oh yeah, God. I mean it is. Yeah, it's a career people aspire to and and I was actually reading an article today about TikTok influencers and how it's sort of like challenging for people who are TikTok influencers because there's no real way to make money. And it's also, I mean, the reality is that these these TikTok influencers or whatever you want to call them um, yeah. are making a ton of money for TikTok. So they're making a ton of money for the app and making no money themselves. Like all this content that they're providing for free 
is making these people thousands of dollars. Like that to me is totally nuts. Like I think that we're all such idiots. Like we've gotten so attached to all these social media platforms and we're so dependent on them. Like we need them for, I mean, I do, I need social media for my income. You know what I mean? Because I can't um, share my work otherwise. And I can't, I can't have an income without things like Patreon and PayPal, for example, right? Like, and if I can't post and share the articles that I write to an audience, then nobody's going to hire me to write articles um, because they depend on clicks. Like it's all connected, right? Um, They need, they need retweets. They need shares. They need clicks. um, And therefore I need an audience and to be of value, and um so I but I guess what's happened with OnlyFans, this is what the uh the sex workers are saying. So for a long time, OnlyFans was mostly dominated by women who were porn stars or yes. who were uh escorts. And supposedly in the terms of service at OnlyFans, you're actually not allowed to use it for escorting. So women have started to be kicked off. They claim they claim they're being kicked off for no reason, but I'm sure they're being kicked off because they're using it for escorting. Like to me, the thing is just this whole stupid lie. Like OnlyFans is trying to pretend that it's not prostitution and pornography, when of course it is prostitution and pornography. Mm-hmm. And they want to pretend like they're sort of classier than that. Like it's not, it's, it's not supposed to be for such explicit stuff. Just okay, like so semi-sexy you, uh, explicit stuff. So it would be a regular, this influencer who's kind of like posts sexy photos on Instagram now has an OnlyFans account so you can get her to do like a little bit more. And these are the people that OnlyFans is promoting. And these are the people who've really moved on to OnlyFans since the pandemic to try to make an income. And it's sort of pushing the the prostituted women and the porn stars out and so they're kind of blaming only fans for not promoting their stuff or for kicking them off. And to me, I'm like, this is the whole stupid lie. This is what the sex work lobby needs to stop doing is pretending as though in the sex industry, experience equals value. Because this is one of the only industries ever where experience makes you less valuable and will make you like less wanted, you know, because what men want is fresh meat. They want to be looking at, you know, porn or porny content from, you know, the so-called girl next door, from the girl who isn't a porn star, from the girl who isn't a prostitute. Um, So it's like, it's exposing this lie, but they're still kind of in denial about it. And they're saying, no, we, we deserve to be like, you're taking money from us. You're taking our, our clients or whatever. And it's like, no, this is how your industry works and how it always will work. I find this conversation really interesting because um, it's, it's becoming obvious that there are these links between the way uh, women, the, the kind of Instagram aesthetic, you might call it of like the influencer world. Um, and then the, uh, sexy like what do you call them like playboy style uh, model and then uh the the level up from that when you actually start um soliciting people for sex and people want to act like oh they're totally separate they have nothing to do with each other like 
I take sexy photos, but I'm not in the sex industry. Or they take the line of, no, like I am a sex worker and I am proud of it and da 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 da. Like, but they can't see that all of these things are tied together. Like the reason why Instagram has this aesthetic that is super porny is because of the sex industry. Like, because you have to, uh, the way people are shaped to look at women's images is shaped by pornography. So the things we find sexually attractive have to fit that mold, which, which is people are getting, you know, socialized into what the porn aesthetic looks like from the age of 11 or whatever it is that people usually first uh, find pornography. So then you go on to like Instagram and TikTok and you see the same aesthetic. Like there's a, there is these links there and it kind of, and it lives within our psyche, the way we start looking at people, the way we start objectifying people. And um, for some reason it's still, there's still this argument of like, no, but I'm doing it because it's empowering and I'm making my own choices and I just find this sexy for me. Um, and it's like now that things like OnlyFans are taking over, it's becoming very apparent that what you're doing lives within this realm, like lives within the, the sex industry economy. It's not that you're somewhere outside of that and, and not influenced by that and doing something totally separate. It, it's part of that world, which has kind of been something that's always frustrated me is like I can see how this whole Instagram modeling thing is very much like the um remember the FHM and like the lads mags those things mm -hmm. just it's it's like millions of those like millions of them yeah but I guess now just everyone's doing it like it's you know because women have lost the ability to make an income in many ways because of the pandemic and the lockdowns now they're all being forced to do this porny stuff. And then, you know, are sort of... Like, what countries are they from? Is there no welfare state? Well, this is what how the narrative goes. I mean, there's not really a viable welfare state in the U.S. Yeah, that's true. You know, they that's got, true. I think, a one-time payout of 1200 bucks. Yeah. In Canada, you can get $2,000 a month. You can reapply every four weeks, so... You know, that's not amazing, but it's good. Mm -hmm. I oh. mean, there'll be an end date. Like, I think that it's 16 weeks, so that's four months that you can get, be, get like, two. And then there was a provincial, there's a provincial one also. So there's the federal $2,000 a month thing. And then there's a provincial $1,000 that you can apply for. You can apply to get help with your rent. Um, employers can apply to get funding so they can pay 75 so the government will pay 75 percent of of their workers income so they can keep paying their employees um and so i think people in the u.s are probably struggling a lot more than we are in canada and maybe some other places um but so i mean i guess it's sort of like an easy way to go make some money maybe I mean I don't know I don't I cannot relate to any of this because I would never go and put my nude body on the internet I don't understand why this is the norm for so many people like young women don't seem to think it's a big deal like the culture changed so much so quickly it you know I remember 
when I was like, it seemed to change almost immediately. Like I remember graduating from high school and we were all pretty like goody two shoes and like vanilla. And then, you know, a couple grades below us, all of a sudden, you know, everybody was like in like no clothes and like having sex and like giving blowjobs. And like, and that was, you know, this was in the whatever I graduated in 1997 so just after that and then after that of course then social media comes along and pornography is just the norm and everyone's being raised on pornography and girls are expecting that they have to send nudes to boys they like to get those boys to like them and it's just normal to you know try out sex work for a while and you know you need to make some money so you start an OnlyFans account like I know. How fast did that change? Yeah. It was like, I think that was kind of my era when, um, when it, when it like rapidly shifted, I feel like that was kind of my time. I, I kind of remember some of those things happening, like everyone being into, um, lads mags at high school and that kind of stuff. Um, and a few girls at high school doing porn. I do remember that they were underage now that I think about it. I did not think about it at the time. Um, but yeah, it, that started happening while I was in high school and um, it was definitely dramatically different. And it's now dramatically different again because like we only got Facebook and stuff like that when I was leaving high school where now you have it from what, like 13, I think most kids uh, are getting on social media. So, like, the whole world has totally changed. I think one of the interesting things is thinking about this in terms of um, content creators because a lot of these people call themselves content creators, which makes sense because if we're talking about the digital economy, we're talking about social media, um, you're a content creator. Yes, like, you're creating content. The content is photos of your body. And then they become kind of like pornography, but in their mind, it's just content. Like they don't actually see, they don't, it's like in their psyche, the way uh, making pornography is stored in their psyche is totally different to the way we think of it. Because to them, it's like, oh, I'm creating content. I'm creating videos and images and that's it. Like there's nothing, there's no other layers to it. Right. Well, I guess, yeah, that sort of makes sense because I guess that like it's tied to the way that girls take selfies. Like the way that um, girls who are younger than me, um, you know, in their 20s and younger and maybe in their early 30s too, the way that they post online is all in this really sexualized, sexy way. Like, it's not like, it's like, yeah, you use a filter. Yeah, you use like an airbrush app. Like, I want my photos to look nice, but I don't post like sexy. I would feel so like embarrassed and desperate and lame trying to post like <laughs> sexy photos. Well, it's just too, it's, I don't, you just look like you're trying. Like, you do. Mm-hmm. But there's no, that's not an issue for that generation, I guess. Like, it's like, you're supposed to look kind of like sexy and porny and like posed in that way. And that's just how you do it. Like, it's not seen as porny. That's just how you post selfies. Like, that's the aesthetic. 
it's not like some people have that aesthetic. It's like if you want to be a part of the culture, of the Instagram culture, of the TikTok culture, that's the aesthetic. There's not like a bunch of different choices. Even if you look at the kind of um, artsy, the the people who maybe were like goths back in our day, but now they're they're kind of like more artsy. Um, you know, they dress differently and they they have this different style, but they there's still this like pawniness, like kind of threaded throughout it um i noticed the the company that created that video that went viral about women that cynthia nixon remember that video was like women are told like don't be bossy don't do this don't do that Mm -hmm. and cynthia was talking and that was a magazine i think called girls 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 and if you look up their their page like they got a huge following because of that viral video um, and it's one of those, you know, cool luxury magazines. But like occasionally there's just this super porny photo of like a totally naked woman's body. And it's like, oh, but it's cool, like cool because we're cool. You know, it's like stylish. Yes. Like, okay. Yeah. Like Annie in the comments says, even the artsy and alternative are the same. So like even like Dasha from Red Scare, I mean, her Instagram feed is this weird sexualized, like, little girl pedophilia themed stuff yeah like it's like you're supposed to be providing like and and those 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 two women are intelligent i find a lot of their um commentary interesting i find some of it annoying too and i find the vocal fry annoying and i feel like they try too hard to be cool but they're young so that's what you do um and i'm not saying you have to be um i think they're like around 30 um so but you know she's and i'm not saying you have to be like serious all the time because obviously we're not serious and i like say all sorts of like weird dumb shit and like overly personal things in our in our group therapy things but it's it's this thing where it's like you're providing serious political commentary but then you're posting all these like sexualized kind of porny photos all over instagram like For what? And I think they think it's art. Like, I think young women think this is art. Like what you said, like, this is just, we're just creating content. Like, I'm just providing images. Like, they don't think of it as porny. No, there's, there's no, and that's the thing. I think um, there's, and so here's the thing. I think it's happening unconsciously whereby you start to objectify women more broadly, whereby like your psyche shifts to, you know, you you look at your body in different ways than you would if you weren't self-objectifying or if you weren't objectifying other women. But I, I think that it's so, it's happening so kind of deep within the psyche that it's just like, why would you, like, who cares? Why would you even think of this? Why is this a problem? Like, yeah, women, <laughs> I mean, that people have made this excuse forever, right? Like, women's bodies are just more interesting to look at than men's bodies. It's kind of like that, but there's... I mean, I do find men's bodies kind of gross, but I mean, women's bodies can also be equally as gross. Like, it's like, you know, like, yeah, if you're looking at some, like, model's body, then sure, I guess you could argue that that's more beautiful to look at than a man's body, but that's not what, like, 99% of women's bodies look like. Like, most of our bodies are not like that. (laughs) Yeah. 
And, you know, obviously men find our bodies attractive. They're having sex with us. But, like, also, like, I find my partner attractive. Whereas if you just took his body out of context, I would probably find it gross. Like, I'm not that interested in looking. Not because it is. I don't. I mean, I'm not talking about anybody specific. I'm talking about, like, past boyfriends and things like that. But it isn't. Like, I'm not. I don't want to look at a random man's penis or body generally like they're weird looking but also like I don't know I mean I I just I think that that sort of it's interesting to me because I feel like when like back when I started writing with you it was so bizarre to a lot of people that you could be you like moms would be putting out like sexualized images on their social media it would be like how can you be doing that? Like you're a mom now, you surely like want to want your daughter to see something different than this when she's growing up. And now it's like, why would a mom not be putting out sexy images? Like it's so normal that it's kind of abnormal if you're not doing it. And that's why I say like um, the young women that I know, like women in their early twenties, it's like, if you're not participating, like at least kind of, in like subtle ways with the thirst trapping um then you're just like not really visible on social media like you're kind of a nobody um and so it's tricky because I feel like there's not many other ways for young women to engage like we haven't developed this other option of not objectifying yourself like it's just why are it's just, they all so desperate like I just didn't ne- feel like I needed that kind of attention when I was 30 by the time I was 30 I was more confident than that and liked myself better like yeah when you're 20 you're sort of obsessed with male attention and wanting everybody to want to fuck you but like you should grow out of that I don't think that these people see it as uh something that they're doing Um, to seek validation I think it's like they see themselves as participating in the group conversation like the group conversation in in the current world is we just share sexy photos of ourselves that's how we participate in this conversation so if you're not sharing sexy photos you're not part of the group you're not participating so it's like not necessarily that you're like wanting likes although the of course there's many people that like want likes want validation but it's just like do you want to be in your friend group like do you want to be one of your friends or do you want to be the like loner outsider that doesn't participate in the conversation yeah I mean I guess is it kind of the same thing as like you're supposed to play this game where like if your friend posts a photo you're supposed to be like oh my god babe oh my god you're so hot and it's like yeah. do we all have to do this like yeah. you guys but don't have this, to say that to me <laughs> like, is this not the same with the with progressive culture now like you've got a virtue signal the same way your friends do like you've got to pretend that your politics are totally aligned like i totally care about all the same causes as you um, I, I guess like it's, it's just, I mean, I think it's just, it's growing up on social media and thinking that all communication and relationships, it, like everything about you has to be public. Yeah. Everything that you do should be public and your relationships, everything's just advertising. Like you do things for the photo op. You don't do the yeah, thing. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not saying like, I take photos of stuff that I do and put it on the internet. Also, I'm not saying that I 
don't participate from time to time. <clears throat> but you can tell the difference between somebody who's really just doing the thing. And I think a lot of, especially young women, women in particular do this, where they go to do something just so they can post the photos online. Yeah, 100%. I, I, to be honest, I feel like that's been happening in different cultures around the world for a really long time. And it's just really, like, it's got to a point where it's really shaped the world. Like, when you go traveling now, there's a lot of places that are just basically set up for Instagram photo shoots. Like, it's a cafe or it's a beach, yeah. but it's pretty much just a photo shoot, like, set up. <laughs> like, this is sad. But Yeah, well, there's a lot of bars and, yeah, vacation spots where there's, there's one spot in the bar or wherever you are that is like it's been posted on Instagram hundreds of times, and because that's the photo that you're that's the spot that you're supposed to go in to take your photo for Instagram. There's a place like that in Sayulita, you know. There's places like that on Main Street. Um, somebody in the comments said, "I never see you guys disagree with each other." <laughs> I don't think I don't that's think true. We, I think we disagree sometimes. Yeah, I don't think we have. Uh, exactly the same politics but I think we have a pretty similar analysis of but the, to be honest what we're talking about right now is kind of I think kind of new to us in a way because in some ways like I don't think either of us grew up in this world and so like I think we're both still making sense of this whole thing of um the way objectification has become so normalized that it just like lives in every people's everyday life that that's new to both of us I I don't I have not got very far in my analysis of what I think this is doing to women because it's still just happening like it's still just emerging I just think that I think that it's going to be so horrible for their self-esteem and their ability to really know themselves like I think that I think that one of the things that builds confidence the most is just actually really kind of knowing and understanding yourself. Um, and, and, you know, things like learning how to recognize your triggers and learning how to react in a thoughtful way instead of just reacting because, oh, well, I know that I'm triggered by this. And so I'm going to, I'm getting into a whole other thing, but like I'm going to walk away or I'm not just going to respond to this text right away because I'm feeling angry and emotional. But I, I mean, in, in terms of all this Instagram stuff, it's sort of, it's seeing yourself from an outsider's perspective. So it's not about what you feel about yourself or how you see yourself or, you know, you don't, you don't gain the experience of developing a skill just because you like it or because it makes you feel good or because it's useful because everything you do is for the external so any skill you have, you would only want to develop if it would look good on Instagram or if it's like a cool thing. So right now it's whatever, baking bread, or maybe it's like having a nice ass, or maybe it's like you're like whatever is the cool hipstery trend, taking your photo of yourself at the park, drinking like natural wine, like your skill set and your interests have to align with what's trendy and it won't have anything to do with you. And therefore it's not going to make you feel good. It might make people who don't know you think, Oh, wow. She seems like she has a cool life that that's not going to make you like yourself any better or make you enjoy your life. What's going to make you enjoy your life is to find things 
that feel fulfilling to you and make you feel good about yourself and, you know, getting to know yourself and feeling comfortable with yourself is a really great thing. It means you can be alone. It means that you can um, make good choices for yourself. It hopefully means that you'll find better friends and a better partner and have better relationships with people. I feel like uh, for since forever there's been a phase women have had to go through developmentally where they start being objectified and in those like initial stages of like men giving you attention you go through this like oh I like attention like I can be sexy and then you have to grow up and be like actually I would like to have boundaries I would like to be respected I would like to be more than an ass or whatever it is um but that's like on steroids now it's like the internet's doing it now it's not just like the guys in your local community that's doing it it's the whole world now um so i that would be you know out of control in terms of how that uh imp- impacts your development but it's interesting to me that in in uh kind of at the same time that that's happening the the kind of pc culture around um you know, like we've got to put trigger warnings on everything and um, we've got to always be talking about marginalised communities and always be talking about people's suffering and always be talking about people's trauma. It's interesting that those two things are happening at the same time and I don't know that necessarily PC culture is trying to um, counteract what's happening because I, I don't think that's the case at all. But it seems in a way that, like, the kind of PC culture that's emerging, it must be bringing to light some of the shit that's happening to women in this context. Like the fact that it's not okay to be, for people to cross your boundaries. Like people are more aware of things like boundaries now, um, of like respecting women. Uh, Yeah, but people think that their boundaries are about like, shutting out anybody that makes them feel uncomfortable or that if they feel triggered, then they should like ban that person at the same time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess people know what boundaries are more than they used to. And people are maybe less likely to get into codependent relationships than in the past. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Maybe. I I don't know that's true. I found it very interesting, like, on Facebook groups. I'm in a few of the, like, women's Facebook groups where they talk about relationships and, like, issues that they're having. And I found, like, people have a really, a lot of women have a really, like, thoughtful um, position on a lot of issues, like, around the fact that, you know, women should wear what they want to wear, but the way women are like so readily objectified and how widespread this is, is really fucked up. And this whole like sex work empowerment movement is kind of drowning out a lot of women's genuine concerns around how their partners are drawn into this world and how it fucks their relationship up and how it makes them feel shit and they're kind of like the whole sex work lobby thing is just i mean it's it's tricked so many people into thinking that like it's like well now how do we challenge our partners if they use pornography if sex work is just work and then it's all fine and it's a woman's choice we have no ground we've lost everything we can't say we can't even say i mean of course we would but we can't say oh you can't 
buy sex from a prostitute or I don't want you to watch porn because they'll be like, it's just a job. It's just a service. It's just like getting a massage because they push the sex work is work thing so hard. (laughs) Yes, but I am seeing a lot of women pushing back just like women, you know, in these kind of advice groups, Reddit's another one where you'll see the kind of like sex workers jump into the conversations and be like, well, it's a good thing. If your husband's paying, it's better than just taking it for free. And then other women being like, actually, you don't have to listen to that. It, you're entitled to be upset by this. You don't have to just relent to, oh, it's someone's job. So I've got to go along with it. Like, that's not the case. You're allowed to push back. You don't have to fucking accept oh some woman feels good about this so now I'm not allowed to have an opinion or I'm not allowed to tell my partner that that's not acceptable for me um that's good to hear that but I'll tell you like I mean I know a lot of women who think that they can't say anything or claim that they don't even care that their partners use porn because they'll just repeat oh it's just a fantasy it's not real and it's like I don't know. Like, I, I mean, first of all, there's all, there's the whole fact that it's such a horribly unethical industry and it's so misogynist and racist and violent. And most of the women in the industry are victims of abuse and are addicted and have mental health issues and blah, 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 blah. blah. It makes men bad at sex. Like it makes their dicks not work, but you know, Moreover, like I kind of I always like rejected this part of the analysis before, but, you know, I, I kind of think it is a form of cheating because what would you say? I feel like we've talked about this a bit before, but, you know, what would you say if your partner was getting nudes from a girl on Instagram or if he was subscribed to an account on OnlyFans? Like, yeah. is that OK? Because how is that any different than pornography? It's the same yeah. thing. Like, why That's is what- that, you know? Yeah, that's what's breaking up a lot of relationships right now is that I think um, a lot of people kind of made their peace with pornography. They were like, well, it's a film and it's like it's kind of removed and it's third person and it's not personal. And now OnlyFans has really brought this to life where I'm seeing a lot of women um, talking about the fact that their partner starts out with like following them on Instagram and then like they DM or like respond to their photos and then they sign up to the OnlyFans and then they start chatting. And so it's this like pathway into infidelity, which in the earlier era of digital pornography, it wasn't possible. Like you just saw it on uh, Pornhub or whatever and you can't interact with the person. But now it's like, you're buying directly from the person that's creating the content. It's just content, remember. Um, and so that providing course, you with specific sexual acts, like you can ask them for stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so a lot of women are saying like, well, is this cheating? Because to me it feels like cheating. And, you know, when it was just going on Pornhub, I kind of, you know, turn a blind eye to that and whatever it is. But Now you're talking to a specific woman asking for a specific thing and you're paying money for it. And that's not cheating. How is that not cheating? Well, and then, but then we should be saying the same thing about Pornhub and pornography. Like there isn't, I mean, there, I guess there's a a difference because you're interacting. So 
there's more connection in some ways that might be like seen as a bigger form of cheating. But at the same time, she, what she's providing you with is pornography. I mean, and I, I mean, what I think is so, so funny is that people pretend that pornography and even these like only fans accounts and I've, it probably sounds like such an old person when I'm talking about OnlyFans because obviously I've never seen it, so I don't know. I've just like read an article about yeah, it in Rolling know. Stone. <laughs> but you know, it's it's they they pretend that it's not prostitution, but it is prostitution. And a lot of that stuff is, you know, the the so-called sex workers on OnlyFans who are complaining about getting kicked off or getting kicked off because they were breaking the rule where they're not supposed to be using it for escorting. But of course that's what they're using this pornography and these nudes to get clients for their escorting. And it's the same. I mean, people pretend to say they pretend that strip clubs are somehow separate from the sex industry or separate from prostitution. When the, the whole point of the strip club is for the prostitution, like at all strip clubs, there's prostitution happening and trafficking happening. Like you're doing these lap dances, you bring them into the back room, the champagne room or whatever, so that you can get them to pay you for sex. Mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting thing that I feel like OnlyFans has brought to the foreground of the conversation, which is that so much of this Instagram modeling world is really just a front and a way into prostitution. But we act like, oh, it's like cool, it's what everyone does, it's just thirst trapping, it's just a way of like engaging with your friends. And it's like, yeah, and it's also a slippery slope that takes you the further you go down it into this world where people are paying you for sex. Like, is that... Do you want to open the door to that? Because that's what we're doing right now. And we're acting like, oh, it's normal. It's like everyone's doing it. It's just sexy. It's just fun. Do you realize that this sexy fun is all hinged upon the model of prostitution, which is that women are to be bought and sold and men are the ones doing the buying and selling? And now everyone will be like, oh, but it's different because, you know, there's 76 genders and it's not that simple. And it's like, yeah, but at the core of it, if you take away all your like fluffy words about how many genders there are and you're polyamorous and all this other bullshit, at the core of it, it's still females prostitute having to prostitute themselves to males that's still the undertone that's still the overarching theme that kind of guides this entire movement and the the way all of these people are engaging right now it's still at the core of it yeah and i mean and it's all connected you know mm-hmm. the the strip clubs and pornography are connected to i mean how how pornography is not prostitution i don't know you're being paid to have sex with somebody. What if you're not having sex with someone else? You're just having sex with yourself. Is that prostitution? Well, no, but, <laughs> but I think, I mean, I guess it's, it could be a fine line. Like if somebody is standing there watching you and they're paying you to perform a sex mm-hmm. act, then I guess that would constitute a form of prostitution. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't it anyway. interesting how like Instagram modeling just opens the door like instantly to, 
oh, you're hot. Like, can I get you to take this photo? Can I get you to send me a video? What if I pay you a hundred dollars? What if we meet up? Like it, it very quickly opens the door to this. And, and of course it does, because that's the whole point that Instagram models look a certain way. Like they look pawny for a reason. They don't look pawny by accident. Like it's not by chance that they all look sexy. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I mean, those photos took a really long time. You had to take like a hundred of those photos and then choose the best one and then edit it. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. so we also, we need to talk about what happened with <clears throat> Amanda Knox, not, not the Amanda Knox who was accused of killing her roommate or whatever, <laughs> but Amanda oh, Knox, the trans okay. activist. And um, we're going to move to Patreon only. Okay. All right. So um, everyone who wants to come join us for the rest of this conversation and for mm. group therapies. Okay. So I'm I, like, I think I posted the link to the Patreon down below, but I'll also go post it on my Instagram profile right now too. So you can connect from there. So we'll see you all on Patreon in a moment. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is The Same Drugs with Megan Murphy. And And we're here every Thursday. Yeah, we're here every Thursday night for our live stream. Um, You can support my work on Patreon. The link is down below. We also podcast at Anchor FM and a million other places. Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean. We'll see you on Patreon or next Thursday, but we're all going to see you on Patreon in just a moment. Okay, bye! Bye!